Hi there, and welcome to podcast number nine, which is sort of a Christmas special. I mean, there's not going to be music and lights and, you know, whatever else and a a special Christmas song or anything like that. Aren't we going to do a special Christmas song? I've just said there's not going to be a special Christmas song, Paul. So listen to what I'm saying, please. Maybe we could do a carol. No, we're not doing anything like that. But the reason that we are here, it's Christmas Eve. And I was thinking about talking and and spending this this hour or so talking about Christmas. And I know that, you know, we've said so many times that we don't do Christmas and we don't celebrate it. And, you know, we don't put decorations up and trees and things. But we have put two decorations up in actual fact. You've gone all out this year, haven't you? Oh, yeah. I've really pushed the boat out. I really have. Uh, We've got two decorations, um, but we haven't done presents and we haven't done cards and and we we don't expect to receive any gifts either because it's just not what we do. And it's not because we are tight or poor or grinches, but we're all of those things as well. Um, (laughs) No, no, it's not. It's really not. Um, Do your grinch face. Go on. No. Yes, go on, do it. People can't see it. Yeah, I can see it, though. Do it. Just for you to laugh. Yeah, go on. No. Go on. No, I'm not doing it. Yeah, you almost got to a Grinch face anyway, then. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Well, what we thought we'd do is we'd talk about our personal experiences of Christmas and try and go as far back as we can. Um, And I guess, in a way, in in a very strange way, it's almost a therapeutic session because going back through those things will probably help to a clarify a few things for you guys when we say oh we don't do christmas you maybe understand a little bit more about why we don't do christmas we might as well you know mm. so i guess that's part of it so let's make a start there are no jingle bells and no reindeer were harmed in the making of this podcast. <laughs> no reindeer were made to fly over the whole of the world and deliver presents to everybody. In less than 24 hours. That's right. What a miracle. Mm. Mm. So, Paul, tell me what your earliest childhood, well, obviously childhood, earliest memory of Christmas is indeed if you have one because i know a lot of people can't remember that far back oh i can well i can too but you know a lot of people can't and um so what's your earliest memory it's a green plastic christmas tree quite big but i was quite small so it mostly wasn't that big full of lights and they were those little sort of teardrop bulb lights and they were green and red And the Christmas tree was to the left of the television and to the right of our fire. And that's my earliest memory. And what I used to do is when it was the school holidays, I would get up really, really early. I would go and get my Weetabix and I would sit in front of the Christmas tree and look at the lights 
And I think we must have left the lights on because I don't remember switching lights on. So I think the lights must have been on or maybe dad was already at work and had switched them on. I'm not sure, but that's my earliest memory. And that must have been sort of around four, something like that. Maybe, maybe even three, but definitely by four. Mm. And that's your earliest single memory. That's my earliest Christmas memory. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Well, I can I can beat you on that. Mm. I can remember, and we were living in Wilmslow um, on a road called Combalane, and we lived in a a little house. And in fact, I can I have revisited the area on Google Maps, and actually. I can remember the area behind the houses where all the garages were and there's like a sort of um, cul-de-sac, you know, where the, the back of the houses are, where the garages are. And I can remember that cul-de-sac vividly because we used to go to the shops via the back of the house and return via the back of the house. And I only lived there until I was three. And I can remember that. And when I saw it on Google Maps, it was like, yeah, that's the memory. That's the memory that I have in my head. And I'll tell you why. There was a dead bird one day. And I'll never forget that dead bird. Anyway, we were at Combalane. And it must have been, I don't know whether it was my first Christmas. I don't know. But my parents had got me a farmyard set you know with the little fences and mm. the little plastic animals and they had laid it out on the floor I don't know whether it was in the whether we were all in the same room I don't know I can't remember but I do remember that farmyard set being laid out on the floor and I can see it in my mind's eye and I can also remember the texture of the pigs, the plastic pigs, they had a texture to their skin. And I can also remember the feeling of the animal, the plastic animals, in my mouth. Because you put them in your mouth? Yeah, I can remember that. Mm. And that's my earliest Christmas memory that's attached to Combalane. And, um, yeah, it's... Um, it's a, I don't know whether it's a happy memory. I guess I was happy. Well, it doesn't sound as though it is. Well, I don't know. It's just, I, I have a lot of memories attached to that period. I mean, even though I only lived there for three years, I can still remember the bike that I had. It had a, like a box on the back that you could put things into. It was like a tricycle mm -hmm. and it would fit a loaf of bread in the box. And we used to go to the local shop and I would carry the bread home in my bike and I can remember that. I can remember the cul-de-sac, the dead bird, the Christmas. I can also remember, and I think this is why it's probably not that happy. We had a dog called Rusty. And I mean, I can really remember that Rusty was my first friend. Really. My first animal friend. And they got rid of Rusty. A man in a white van took him away one day oh. and my parents told me that he was too much of a rebel and they couldn't handle him 
And mm. you know what? On some level, I've never forgiven them for that. Never. Because, you know, nowadays we don't say there are rebellious dogs. We say there are poor owners. Don't yeah. we? Yeah. You know, and people cope with animals and one child. Really? Do you know? So I, I never got that excuse. And I've, I've, sorry, Dad, if you're listening, but I've never forgiven them for that. So I think maybe the memories of that place are tied up with that bad memory as well. Yeah, yeah. You know? And then we moved when I was three and we moved to Macclesfield. Um, but yeah, that's my earliest memory tied up there. And when, is when, that your earliest and your earliest Christmas memory? My earliest Christmas memory. Yeah. Yeah, I've got other memories. I burnt my finger on a park ray fire once. And I can see, and I can see my parents looking down at me, saying, "No, don't touch." And I touched it and burnt my finger. Mm. I sat on an electric bar fire. God, those were mean. Those electric bar fires. Yeah, they, they were. They really were. Had, um, yeah, quite bad welts on my bum. <gasps> God, oh, you weren't wearing nylon. I don't think I was wearing anything. You were naked. Yeah. Little yeah. naked child running around yeah, screaming with an yeah. electric bar fire in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? Happy days. Happy days. I remember those electric bar fire. We were never allowed to put two bars on because it was too expensive. Yeah. It was. And they were. We used to have a three bar night. A three bar night. If it got cold, it was oh, a three bar night. Oh, I see. Yeah. Otherwise, it was one or two. And they had those awful coal effect plastic things on top with those bulbs. With the worry things on top. With the metal sort of um, things that sat on top and moved. Span. They span around with the heat of the bulb, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. To create a flickering fire effect. Yeah. Worthy of any 70s living room. <laughs> really? I mean, some of the things, some of the t- it really was the decade that taste forgot in terms of home decor. I can remember our carpet. It was just, it was multi, well, it was, do you remember that carpet that we had when we first moved into our first house together? Oh, All that multicolored. In the flat, yeah. swirling, swirling psychedelia. Yeah. Multi, I mean, you know, no wonder people took drugs. Yeah, it was to get over the carpet. Yeah. Absolutely. We had a square one as well that was interlinking squares that was also quite swirly, which was bizarre because it was all squares. Migraine-inducing carpets of Mm. the 70s. There's a book there. (laughs) There is a book there somewhere. I'm sure there most probably is carpets of the 70s. We do that on Amazon. I'm thinking of doing it myself. Actually, talking about old things, and actually it's got a link to Christmas, I was recently sent... um, a link to a website which is all of the old Argos catalogues mm. from the 70s from when it when Argos started now to those of you in the states and Canada and wherever else you, this won't mean anything to you but Argos is a shop in the UK which started in the 70s that had a catalog so what you did you browsed the catalog at home you wrote down the code for the object, for the item that you wanted to buy, you went to the shop and you filled out a slip and you gave the slip in at the counter. And as if by magic, 
the object would be brought to you, um, brought to you from the the back room, from the storeroom. And um, it, it was kind of a revolution in shopping at the time. And of course, one of the pleasures as a child was being able to look through the Argos catalogue and indeed the mail order catalogues as well that we had. We had John England. And um, we would very often choose a Christmas present from the Argos catalogue. Oh, yeah, we would do that. Not from Argos, but from Grattan's or something yes. like that. Yeah. Do they still exist? Well, I very much doubt it. I mean, my my granny used to call it the club. Yeah. Do you want to order something from the club? But I think in those days, they, there was a saving aspect to many of those things, weren't they? You could say throughout the year and the following year, you would have £100 or £150, well, depending be on, on how much you save per week. It would be on weekly payments. So under each item, it would say 20 weeks at 38p. Yeah, or 38 weeks at 50p or something ridiculous like that. That's how you did it. And of course, as a child, you'd say, Mom, it's only 50p mm. a week. And she'd be like, well, you can pay out of your pocket money then, can't you? Yeah, of course, that that's all changed now because you have to say exactly how much interest you're going to have to pay, what the yeah. rates are, all of that. Oh, we didn't say any of that. You didn't get any of those kind of figures at all. And of course, it was, I don't know, the beginning of the... Um, the real big consumerism boom yeah. of the late 70s and 80s. You know, people were buying anything and everything. And it's actually fascinating to look at those catalogues and actually remember, because the catalogue would be like, you know, autumn and winter and spring and summer or whatever. But it would be packed full of glorious goodies photographed very tastefully, usually with women, scantily clad women, draped over things. There was a lot of that in the 70s, wasn't there? Yeah. And the early 80s as well. Incredible. You know, but anyway, that, we used to choose things. Can you remember anything that you got as a child, Paul? Your your most treasured present. Oh, I remember. It wasn't from a catalogue, but I remember my most treasured present was given to me by... Um, mum and dad and Auntie Phil and Uncle Len and it was a red fire truck and I absolutely adored it. Was it metal? It was both plastic and metal. It had a it had a real metal bell and the ladders were real metal and the wheels were proper wheels but the chassis was plastic. But I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Mm. I don't know whether that's because I was going to grow up to think that firemen were all quite cute. But, uh, yeah, I never wanted to be a fireman. So I'm not quite sure why I loved this toy so well, much. Because those things were aimed at little boys. Well, they were, yes. You know, the yes. advertising was aimed at your parents and, and you to to buy these objects, these shiny objects for children. I think most children do like new shiny objects, no matter what they are. My one other thing, which I absolutely adored, and I had it until mum and dad moved and then it got lost. Auntie Phil knitted me a Bambi, a baby deer. 
and it was so so cute it really was and it had wooden legs and there was stuffing around the wooden legs and everything else was knitted the body was knitted it was brilliant loved it don't know where it went i remember my granny doing the whole family cardigans all Mm. five of us cardigans in the same wool in different sizes i mean she was a wild knitter she really was and they were good Mm. they weren't you know they they were they had cuffs and they had zips and buttons and goodness knows what yeah but they were all brown well, I think that like was very seventies, car- wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was like a caramel brown sort of colour. I loved it. I loved all of them. I thought they were great. I thought they were lovely. Auntie Phil was the knitter in the family, and she knitted me quite a few Guernseys over the years. We always used to get a jumper from Auntie Phil, and it was a Guernsey. In fact, I was only saying the other day to you, wasn't I, that I would love to have a traditional Guernsey, which is a jumper. Mm. My my grandma, who was my dad's mum, because one was granny and one was grandma, um, she always bought us a Marks and Spencer's Christmas jumper. Always. Which, of course, when you're a child, it's quite cute. But when you reach teenage years, it's not so cute. Because you, you do not want to be wearing a Christmas jumper, especially not in the 80s. But anyway, let's go back to the 70s, because I can remember, was this the 70s? I had a digital watch one year, Mm. early in the 70s or mid-70s, and then I had another digital watch later in the 70s, and I can remember getting that, but I can remember finding it beforehand. Were you trying to find it yeah. before? Yeah. yeah. My mum used to say, don't go... When she, went, when she went out, she'd say, don't go rooting around. So you'd go rooting around? Of course you would. I'd go through all the cupboards, go through all the cupboards and find anything that looked like a gift to find out what it was. You're a naughty child. And I also did the same when I had Electronic Mastermind. I found it. But you know what? It didn't ruin the surprise and it didn't ruin the excitement of getting electronic gadgety gifts. I mean, they we, really came in in the sort of like, for you, it would have been when you were nine, ten. For me, it was sort of like ten, eleven, wasn't it? Yeah. That's I mean, when the big glut came. Yeah. Sinclair, Spectrum, well, computers and that type of thing. Yeah. And, and also, let's just say here... We we were both actually, I mean, we're not from wealthy families at all, neither of us. We're from working class families. I know I don't sound like it sometimes. I can't help that. Yeah, I've sometimes always been you do same. sound like it though, yeah. But, you know, um, and they didn't have a lot of money, but we were fortunate enough to get gifts, you know. And we'd have one big gift, what we called the big gift. Yeah which would cost a little bit of money, maybe, I don't know, 15, 20 pounds or something. No that was, idea. Well, that that was the price of things then. That was a mm. lot of money then. Mm. It was a lot of money. Um, and then we'd have lots of little things. We'd have, you know, pencils and pencil sharpeners and, I don't know, all sorts of little crafty things, chocolates and... And we'd have ours in a pillowcase, 
at the end of the bed. Right. So when you woke up in the morning, you'd stretch your feet out and you'd feel something lumpy Aww. at the end of the bed. And, of course, you woke up with extreme excitement and wanted to open everything there and then. Mm. And you did. Even if it was five o'clock in the morning. Our parents didn't, you know, watch us open things. Didn't we they? Were just, no, we were just left to do it. Oh, we weren't. We, we, we opened everything together. Absolutely everything together. No, we didn't. We didn't do that at all. It was maybe later when we started doing things like that. I think I had a big plastic sack. I think that was a lot of my, a Santa sack and a lot of um, my presents were in that, wrapped up in that. Mm. And that would be in my bedroom. And those things would be from Father Christmas. And then other presents from mum and dad would be around the Christmas tree. Mm, it's interesting. Ours, we never had any concept ever that presents were from anybody else other than Father Christmas. Isn't that bizarre? And, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to recapture the feelings, the childhood feelings. I'm still quite connected to my childhood self. And I can still really feel the excitement and that fantasy um, around Christmas. I can remember sitting for what seemed like hours looking into the sky, absolutely convinced I would see Father Christmas go past on a sleigh. Convinced. And trying to work out where he was from. Was he from another planet? Was he, you know, an alien? Was he this? Was he that? You know, trying to work out the little scientist in my head, trying to work out where he's from. Because it was such a convincing story um, that I, I totally, totally bought into it. Totally. In every way. I was bitterly disappointed when I found out the truth. Mm. I was. I really was. Because I believed in all of that stuff so, so strongly when I was a child that it was like such a letdown and everything came crashing down. And I think that's partially why. I mean, I do get the magic. That's what I'm saying. I get the magic. But I think some parents go so over the top that it literally creates this other world and it's terribly disappointing when you find out the truth. You see, I don't think I ever fully bought into Father Christmas because I was thinking, well, if Father Christmas is going to visit virtually every house on this planet, and at that age I thought there must be more than a million houses on the planet, that was going to take far more than 24 hours. Yeah, but it's magic, Paul. That's the thing. It's I know, magic. but I didn't buy into that magic of Father Christmas. I'm not sure. I mean, my brothers were six and seven years older than me. So I think there may have been an essence of it not sort of all fitting together. Maybe maybe that was the issue. Maybe because maybe. you were the first born. Yeah. You, you, everything sort of fed into that and you, you lapped it up. 
Wherefore, for me, by the time I was sort of getting into Father Christmas, my brothers were sort of getting out of Father Christmas. And for me, there was a, well, why, why, why don't adults get this? Why don't adults get Father Christmas? I think, I mean, I was, I don't know, I think being the first child and I was sort of on my own for a few years, if you like, until my sisters started to become toddlers. Um, I mean, I, I was really into imagination in a big way. I mean, I spent hours trying to get through the mirror on my dressing table. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had a huge mirror and I read Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass, which actually was my favourite part, Through the Looking Glass. And the, the, the first scene where she realises that the mirror has gone soft and she can push through it. Um, after that, after reading that, I would literally sit there trying to get through the mirror. Not, you know, throwing myself at the mirror, you understand, but pushing it and thinking it's going to move at some point, I'm going to go in there and imagining what the mirror room looked like. Mm. And of course, then I discovered two mirrors put together makes an infinity hole. Of course, that fascinated me even more. It's like, what is down that hole? Is this actually the rabbit hole? Mm. You know, so, yeah, you know, I was I was that kind of kid that really enjoyed imagination, um, thinking about things, reading fantastic stories, um, looking at the sky, looking at the stars, you know, being in a woodland alone on a frosty morning, blah, blah, blah. So I loved all of that. I really did. Mine was always about the wardrobe and parting clothes to see if there was a door at the back of the wardrobe. Narnia. Yeah. And always being a little bit disappointed that there wasn't. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? When we grow up to be um, adults, it's that, yeah, it's that realisation that there are different things in the world that we consider are magic, you know. I mean, I still consider the transformation of a landscape with snow as magical, because it is a magical transformation. It's completely and utterly different to how it was before. Completely mm. in mm. every way. Sound-wise, looks-wise, light-wise. Um, you know, it's it's a transformation. It's one of the things that happens that is, is kind of magical, even though it's, you know, it's a science thing and it's, you know, icy water. But that, you know, those things are still there as adults, but that that willingness to be enveloped believe, believe totally in mm. something you know is rarely there as an adult because you question it well, i do anyway well also because you have idealisms as you grow up and very often those are shattered by reality mm. and i think it's difficult to hold on to the magic that we feel as children and very often when adults are partying and having a wonderful time, they, they're trying to relive that sort of magic and that, that feeling. Uh, and I think, it's, I think it's very difficult in this society, but we mm. won't get onto that. Until they wake up the next morning with the horrific hangover. Yeah. Yeah, but That's I think I think also sort of, you know, the consumerism, the buying things to, to fill some type of void 
is what I'm talking about. Yeah, I think it's all connected. I think it's it's we talked about that before. It wasn't the aim to talk about those kind of things in in this session. No. So what happened when well, you'd opened your presence? Well, I was just going to go back to. Um, what do you mean? What happened when I opened the presents? Well, what happened? Not you opened the presents. Then what was the next part of Christmas Day? Well, you got dressed. You wore your best clothes. Maybe something that you'd you'd been given. You know, a new jumper, new pair of shoes, maybe or something. And you would get dressed. You would um, have breakfast. Oh no, would you? Ha- no, we'd have breakfast first, and probably, actually thinking about it, breakfast would partially consist of a selection box. (laughs) Now, if you don't know what a selection box is, folks, um, maybe people in other countries, but a selection box is a box consisting of about... Six bars of chocolate. Six to eight bars of chocolate, depending on how big the selection box is. And it'd be all your favourite bars, and um, you you know you would actually open it. I would anyway. First thing in the morning, and eat a, a chocolate bar. So you'd get up, you'd have some cereal, maybe ready break because it's winter. And then what we would do is we would go to a set of grandparents for Christmas dinner, which is usually around two maybe earlier, and if it was my granny and granddad, they lived in Wilmslow, so we'd drive there, and it'd be two families, it'd be our family of five, and then my um, cousins and their family, again, five, so that's ten, plus granny and granddad and Uncle Les, and we would have a huge, huge meal that granny would do, um, and we'd have alcohol Mm. as children, Mm. We'd be given baby sham. And very often they'd have two tables. They'd have the big table where the adults would sit. Yeah. And then they'd do a little small table for the children. Like a temporary table. Yeah. Ours was made up of... One year it was actually made up of a box, I think. Yeah, well, they'd do it however they could, wouldn't they? I think maybe that little coffee table that we've got upstairs, that was probably used. Like the round one. Yeah. Mm. Um, I've got this small lacquered um, table that was my granny and granddad's, and um, I love it. It's very old, and it's it's crap. Um, But it used to be a pub card table, apparently. It would have had a different type of base, but it's now got four legs, and that would have been used, yeah. Mm. Um, You see, we'd have had scrambled eggs in the morning with toast. We'd have something different on Christmas Day, and it would be scrambled eggs. And we wouldn't get dressed, or I wouldn't get dressed, till sort of around sort of 12 o'clock after opening all the presents. And then like you, we would either go to um, Auntie Phil and Uncle Len or Auntie Mew and we would have a lunch. Um, And then we would, on New Year's Day, it would be somebody else's turn to do it. So we would always alternate. But there was always about 16, 18 it was a it was a big day and very tiring day. Very, very tiring day. Listen, honey, we'd do the lunch and then we'd have to go again to the next set of grandparents. Oh, no, we didn't do in that. In the evening. No, we didn't do and that. And we would have 
further presents and gifts. That would be the motivator for the kids because by that time you're knackered. No, we'd we'd have yeah. our Christmas lunch, yeah. then we'd go for a walk, and then there would be the Queen's speech at three o'clock, always at three o'clock, and then it would be a quiet time with people snoring, and then it would be sandwich Farting. time. And then it would be sandwich time later, which was, I think, my favourite part of Christmas food. Well, we'd do it all again on Boxing Day. Oh, we, no, we didn't. Yeah, it was all done again on Boxing Day. And then it was very often all done again on New Year's Day. Yeah, New Year's Day. Because the 2nd of January was my mom's birthday. Yeah. So, and it was also my granny's birthday as well, I think. Did they share the same birthday? I can't remember. I'm sure they did. And we would do the whole thing again. Why well, did I mean, you not, do it, Boxing Day? We just did. We had our own meal at home on Boxing Day. Oh, yeah. No, we had our own meal. In fact, it was different, was it? It was always turkey on Christmas Day. And then we'd have a ham or something on Boxing Day. Or beef. Something like that. I mean, what I do know is that by by the 27th or 28th, you're sort of feeling a bit flat. And you just want to play with your toys. You just want to sit down quietly and pay, play play the music that you got, any cassettes that you might have got or records, and play with them and play with games and just not see anybody else. Well, we used to have Christmas TV, didn't we, in the morning? Do you remember? You used to have things like um, Dr. Doolittle and those type of films. I know you never liked Dr. Doolittle, but we used to have those films in the morning and sometimes it would be like an Elvis Presley film or a, or a what do you call it, Tarzan film or something well, like that. Also, let's not forget the coveted Christmas Radio Times and Christmas TV Times. Did you get both? You couldn't get one. Because the Radio Times, and for people who don't know, these were magazines. The Radio Times covered the BBC broadcasts and the radio right. broadcasts. So they were TV listings magazines with various articles and interviews and things like that. And then the TV Times covered ITV, which is independent television, which is the, the television that has uh, commercials. So you would buy both and this would give you all of the television listings for the whole Christmas period for, I think, two weeks. Yeah, it was two weeks of Christmas. Um, Sometimes we, it was two and a half. They would give you two and a half. And we would go through the TV Times and circle all of the programmes that we wanted to watch. Mm. And, of course, this was before video People did mm. not have video recorders no. in their homes. So you couldn't plan your video recording schedule because you didn't have a video recorder. So sometimes, you know, there programs was a clash. clash. But you were talking about the things you used to watch as a child. The things I remember watching were things like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman. Things like that. They were cartoons, animations. No. I mean, were, I know them, but... There was also a film called The Christmas Martian. 
Oh, you've mentioned this And it was this weird sort of sci-fi film um, that we used to watch, me and my sisters. And I'll always remember it. I think it was pretty crap. But I'll I'll never forget that. It's probably on YouTube. I need to have a look. Um, But we always watched that and it always seemed to be on. Um, Yeah. And then, of course, you had um, all the New Year shows as well coming up. You know, all the reviews of the year, mm, which personally, mm. I I don't really like them. No, they bore the tits off me. They yeah. really do. Um, but yeah. And Again, that feeds into that sort of nostalgia thing of, oh, the years gone by, what happened? The only one that I used to like was the old grey whistle test. Mm. That was good um, on New Year's Eve because we would very often be be left on our own. Our parents would go out to the pub, and we'd be left. Yeah, I don't. My, uh, well, my I'd brothers be, were older, so I would babysit. Yeah, my brothers would. Yeah, um, but, my brothers would shut me in a box, Ottoman box. Nice. <laughs> but that's what that's what you did in the seventies and eighties. You you left the kids to get on with it. <laughs> I mean, these days, can you imagine? Well, I was thinking you going get back away with to. It. Um, lunches and things like that of course you would travel around and see uncles and nephews and nieces and aunts and things and when you did go your parents would have a drink everyone would have a drink oh yeah and you'd be there maybe have a one or two drinks and then drive somewhere else very different drink drive laws then than now well, I don't know what the laws were, but um, yeah, I can honestly say the adults that drove in our family did used to drink and drive. Mm, mm. And I know that. I mean, my granddad used to say he always drove better after a whiskey. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, you know, we, we absolutely recoil in horror at that Yeah. nowadays, naturally, as we should. But, you know, back then it was a different time. Very and, different time. And, you know, people learned those lessons in a very hard way. Mm, mm. You know? But anyway, let's not focus on that because it's really negative. Christmas films. There was always the big film on Christmas Day, wasn't there? Was there? Yeah, there was always a big film. And it was something, usually something that you wouldn't like, like a, the new James Bond. Oh, God. Because, of course, films then would go into cinemas and we wouldn't see them for two or three years. Longer Where than now, that. Longer than that, maybe, yeah. Where now it's it's sort of, you know, much, much quicker. But there was always the big film on Christmas Day. And you would usually have a, a repeat of Ben-Hur or... The Christmas Story or something like that as well. I don't remember watching that much TV on Christmas Day because I think me and my cousins, and there was six of us, we would very often be playing outside in the back garden at Granny and Grandad's because they had a massive... They they lived in a, a ex-council property and they had a massive garden. And very often Christmas Day weather is mild. Even up north. Is that the garden that I know? Yeah, but, you've but seen it. The two of them. There's two together, houses there now, yeah. yeah. 
Um, but I mean, that was a huge garden. Uh, it, it, enormous, absolutely enormous. In they fact, were very as a lucky. child, <laughs> I think you wouldn't, you'd sort of feel that it just went on forever because it's so long as well, isn't it? Oh, it had like a little sort of woodland at the bottom and there were bluebells. There was a little shed that my granddad put up for us to play in. There were trees that you could climb. There were bushes that you could hide in. And oh, it, yeah, it was, uh, it was, you know, amazing such an amazing garden um but again they they weren't wealthy it just happened to be that way their council house was a an end of terror well semi-detached actually i think it was and it was at the the end of the row with all the garden massive Mm. garden amazing Mm. and i would imagine that it was probably used to grow things in Mm, i'm sure i mean ours was yeah the first house that i remember well and and at Le Pignon as well, which I talked about on the blog the other day. I mean, I don't, I don't know my grandparents' history enough to to know whether they did grow stuff. Um, but anyway, what about um, favourite foods? I mean, we could talk about chocolate, but let's not, <laughs> not at this time of year. I don't. I just want to avoid the chocolate. Auntie Phil sausage rolls, mm. absolutely fantastic. Um, were they big ones or the the they were ones? they were sort of they were bigger than cocktail sausage rolls though smaller than the full size sausage right, roll so medium size medium size sausage roll and um and trifle trifle mm. with hundreds and thousands on the top and angelica mm. and um antiphil made a really good trifle as well as did auntie betty and my auntie Betty used to make fantastic cheese straws. I, mm. I cheese straws and cheese scones are the two things that I absolutely remember from her. They get my mouth salivating just thinking about it. My granny used to make a Christmas cake or two, mm. and she used to make she used to top it with marzipan and. Is it royal, royal icing, icing that sets like rock, rock hard? And she used to do it in sort of peaks. Yeah. And it looked like snow. And she'd put these little sort of, you know, snowmen and Plastic Father Christmas. Snowmen. Yeah, on top. And, oh, God, that was lovely. That I used to love the icing. The icing's my favourite bit on a Christmas cake. You used to use the back of a palette knife. That's when every family had a palette knife. Well, because hasn't every family got a palette knife now? Certainly not. Oh, well, more fool them. Many people don't even have bread knives. I think a lot of people don't know what a palette knife is. No, maybe Unless not. Unless you did cookery. Um, Mum's Christmas puddings, obviously. Obviously, and if you haven't seen our video on how to make individual Christmas puddings for Christmas, it's not too late. You can still do it. Yeah, yeah, you can. You can make can. them any time of the year. In it's fact, I think pudding. I need to pop a bit of rum on top of some that we've got because um, you base them in are, rum. Are we going to be having Christmas puddings tomorrow? Yes, we are. Oh, Absolutely. Lovely. Yep. lovely. After our meagre meal. <laughs> you make it sound as though we've got like half a piece of white bread some and water. Gruel. Oh, Some no, gruel. not even gruel. No, um, no we ha- we're not having a massive meal. We're not having our usual huge plateful. We're just going to have a normal sort of roast dinner mm. um, and a Christmas pudding afterwards. But I sandwiches. could do some homemade ice cream. Oh, you could? Uh, what, we could, uh, the, with the pudding? Well, mind you, the ice cream maker's away. 
with yogurt. I don't think I can be bothered getting it. No, out. I don't think so no, either. No. no, let's not bother. Sandwiches. Yogurt. That was actually yogurt. Yogurt. Yogurt ice cream on a Christmas pudding. Oh, yogurt on the Christmas pudding. Yeah, yeah that'd be quite, be quite nice, nice and tart. Greek yogurt. Yeah. yeah. Sandwiches. What about them? I used to love Turkey. Christmas Day sandwiches Turkey and the sandwiches. stuffing, and then there would be some. Um, what do you call them? Pigs in blankets would most of be left over, so you could cut them in half and put them in the sandwich. God, we with didn't lettuce have pigs in... and tomatoes. We didn't have pigs in blankets. Didn't Paul, you? Bloody hell, no, of course we didn't. We just had, we barely had sausages. I mean, no, you know. we used to have pigs in blankets. No. We used to sit there on a Christmas morning no. and wrap a cocktail sausage, or a longer sausage, in fact, in bacon. That's what no, we used we to do. We didn't have things like that. Oh, we did. And our turkey was normally dry. No, ours was always good, well, well, as some, far as I remember. Look, for some reason, the turkey would be put on six weeks before Christmas Day. No, I'm joking. At the same time as the Brussels sprouts. It would literally, they'd put it on overnight. Mm-hmm. Literally overnight. And How sometimes, big was your turkey? Well, it wasn't that big. We used to have a 20 or 22 pound turkey. It, look, it was big enough to fit in the oven. That's all we need to know. Mm. And at the end of the day, it does not cook over bloody night. No wonder they were so dry. No wonder people hated turkey. But, you know, it was the best bit was when you'd eaten most of the meat and you've still got bits on the bones and you go and pick. Yeah. You, go, you keep popping into the kitchen and picking on it. Ours was covered in tin foil yeah. on the top of the yeah. fridge. Same That's as ours. where ours was. And we would have the leftovers. And then what would happen is everything would go into a pressure cooker, most probably the day after Boxing Day. And mum would make soup from it. So everything would be cooked in the pressure cooker. All the bones would be taken out. Well, most of the bones would be taken out. And then mum would make a fantastic soup. And it was always bits and pieces. It was always what mum had in the fridge. And we called it swamp marsh soup. I want to vomit. (laughs) It was mum's swamp marsh soup. And it was fantastic. Though the problem was, occasionally, you would come across a bit of bone. No, I would literally gag. I would gag. I can't be doing with that. (laughs) We didn't boil bones, no. The carcass would get thrown away. I mean, isn't it, it... to me, it's really strange now thinking of a dead bird yeah. sitting in your kitchen yeah. for a week. Really? Really? A dead carcass sat there, a cooked dead carcass sat there for a week in the kitchen, slowly rotting, frankly. <laughs> Disgusting. No. Ours uh, didn't sit there long enough course, to do that. the pleasure is there. The pleasure is there. No, I mean, we would slice the meat off. Basically, all the meat would get sliced off, put onto a plate and covered and put in the fridge. That would generally what would happen. And then the bones would go in the bin. The bones would go in the bin and then, you know, be stinking there for a week. Well, that Because, of course, in those days, the whole country came to a standstill for the best part of a week. Yeah, so you didn't have collections. No. Rubbish collections. Was, I mean, around here now, I think it just gets one day later. Um, our rubbish collection is just one day later. Yeah. I mean, you know, there'd be paper everywhere and uh, I don't know. And of course, nowadays, if you do have, well, in the UK where we are, 
certainly, and many places else. Um, if there is a carcass, it goes into your food waste recycling now. Of course. It goes off to make energy. Yeah, not in those days. No. Everything was wasted. Absolutely. Wasted, wasted, no recycling, nothing. Nothing. There was no recycling. Everything went into landfill. Literally everything. Yeah. Apart from glass. Well, no, I actually, think even your, glass, your glass would have gone in as well. Yeah. But, you know, in terms of pop bottles, they were given back and you got money back for those. So talking about, let's sort of move through. What about music? Christmas music. And I'm not talking about Christmas carols necessarily. For me, there are certain um, albums that I will listen to very occasionally that really take me back to Christmas because I received that album as a Christmas present. Mm. And one of the biggest examples, best example for me is, is Abba's Super Trooper. Right. Because I got that for Christmas and it has a kind of Christmas vibe to it. If you think about it, it's a celebratory cover, Mm. you know, it's this circus and then you've got songs like um, Super Trooper. You've got songs like Soldiers, The Piper. Mm. Those kind of songs had a sort of Christmassy vibe to them somehow. And um, what are yours? What are your memories of music at Christmas? Um, Lena Martell. Oh, my God. Lena bloody Martell. One day at a time. Lena one Sweet drink at a time, Jesus. Martell. Uh-huh. Um, Mum was a great Lena Martell fan and um, Lena Martell would normally be playing um, as a tape because we had tapes then on Christmas Day and actually any Sunday it God would be blasting help out. Us all. Mum's moved on to Rod Stewart now over the decade so very often when I phone up Mum now Rod Stewart is in the background Um but yeah, I, I think they were like things like the King Singers because we would have the radio on and really? and things like sing oh something God. simple this and all of that. This is a bit wholesome. This is a bit wholesome. It was it was very very Lena Martell days. Our parents listened to whatever we were listening to. Believe you me. No, it was oh, very yeah. it was very different. And I think I was listening to things that my brothers, who obviously, as I said, were older. So your brothers were listening to the King singers. No, I was listening to what my brothers were playing. So what would be playing in the house, in the kitchen, would be what Mum wanted, and what was playing in my brothers' bedrooms were obviously sort of modern music like Slade and Mm. things like that. Slade, yeah. And um, and Dad was always into jazz. Dad loved jazz and uh, old jazz and progressive jazz. um, Cleo Lane was his, I think, all-time favourite. I do like a bit of Cleo. Yeah. And, yeah, so Dad actually had a tape-to-tape deck that he would record things on the radio on. And he would sit there. Well, I think he would record them on a Monday because it was Jazz Night on a Monday on the BBC, I think. And then he'd listen to it the rest of the week. But, yeah, I... My music really didn't get going till quite late, I think. I think I must have been in my sort of early teens before I really got into music. Of course, we used to watch Top of the Pops. Top of the Pops had a Christmas special. 
on Christmas Day every single year. I think it still does, in fact. I remember getting ABBA's Greatest Hits, the first volume, which was released at the beginning of their career at Christmas. And I loved that album. I absolutely loved it. It's the one where um, they're sat on a bench on the cover. And um, ABBA always played played a big part in our in our families, especially if they brought a new album out around Christmas. Um, but for us, it was... I, I remember getting Michael Jackson's Thriller for Christmas on tape. Yeah, I got it on tape. Oh, my God, that was a great album. That was a fantastic album. That kind of reminds me slightly of Christmas as well. I'm trying to think what else reminds me of Christmas. I do... I don't really like Christmas songs. I cannot bear Slade and who's the other one? Who's that other group? Was Noddy Holder Slade? No, he was the other one, wasn't he? Oh, I don't know. Was he Slade? Oh, I don't know. I've got no idea. I can't bear them. Hate them all. And I can't bear Christmas songs. The only Christmas song I've ever liked was Band-Aid. Really? Yeah. I thought it was a good song and it was very emotional and it was a good cause and blah, blah, blah. And it had all the people you really liked in it, you know, like Duran Duran, Paul Young, somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) All of those people. Bananarama, people like that. Boy George. Boy George, that's it. And two other people. Wham. Wham, George Michael. You see, I don't like any of George Michael's Christmas numbers. Last Christmas. No, I can't bear it. I I remember um, I was um, going out with Jenny Kendall Tobias one Christmas. And that's, uh, I think, my first real girlfriend, really. And then the following year, when we weren't together, I went to a Christmas party at her house. And last Christmas was playing, and my heart was broken. Oh, shut up. (laughs) How sentimental. (laughs) But one thing that we haven't mentioned yet is pantomime. Well, I haven't mentioned pantomime because I can't fucking stand pantomimes. I hate them with a passion and we're not going to talk about them. Yes, we are. No, we're not. They are part of my Christmas. No, we're not. We're going to talk about them. No, we're not. We used to go to St. Stephen's church hall and the panto i used to just absolutely adore it absolutely adore it and of course it was different each year but people around the world don't necessarily know no, what panto they is don't. do they and you know thank goodness for that you're so lucky <laughs> that you don't know what a pantomime is pantomimes and circuses cannot bear them hate them however a recent pantomime with um, Christopher Bigging, Biggins and somebody else was given a really good review. Um, and there was one with Sharon Osbourne as well and Ryland Clark. At That's the, moment, the one in the West which End. Which apparently is also really good. Not for me, for children. Even as a child, hated them, wanted to get out, screamed all the way through. Don't like them. No, I don't know why. Can't bear them. I can't actually bear Christmas-themed things either. (laughs) No, you know, like Christmassy films. Anything with joy and lightness in their heart. Yes, my cold, dark heart simply can't (laughs) take it. No, I don't. I I find the thing that I... I'll tell you why it annoys me is because 
Christmassy themed things are deliberate ploys to part with your money. That's what they are. They are marketing tools used to make you spend money. I.e. go and buy the film, go and buy the DVD. But isn't anything? No. Most things are, no. in one way or another. No, it, they're not. Of course they're not. Don't be ridiculous. Products are, but a warm time with a close friend yeah. isn't. Yeah, Is fair it? enough. So, you know, what about... I mean, talking about good and bad experiences, can you remember your worst Christmas? I don't... I didn't really have a bad Christmas, but I do remember getting electrocuted at Christmas when I put a bulb in my mouth. Well, that wasn't very sensible, No, was it, it wasn't. No. I flew across the room a bit. My worst Christmas was the year after my mum died, was the, the year my mum died, 1995. Mm. That was my worst Christmas ever. I wasn't with you. We were together, but mm. we weren't together at Christmas. No. <clears throat> because I had to go home and spend it with my family. That was the flattest most pointless Christmas ever. Because I think my mum was probably... Um, she she made the effort to make sure her children enjoyed Christmas because I think she enjoyed it because she could get merry legitimately. I hate to say it, but I think that's the truth. Mm. Because, you know, my mum really enjoyed a drink and um, cigarettes and all the things that aren't good for you. And, I mean, she would say to me, make me a cup of coffee, I'll have a dash of Bacardi in it. <laughs> Do you want a dash of Bacardi, Richard, in your coffee? And, like, you know, you're a teenager, and you're like, yeah, okay. So, um, when she died, um, that sort of central pin, if you like, and that holds it together, had gone. So, you know, we didn't get presents from mum. Mum would always strive to give us something that we wanted. Um, it just completely fell flat. Um, it was a, a, it was like a Christmas in limbo. We still gave gifts to each other, uh, me and my sisters, but it, it was, no, it was awful. Absolutely hated every moment of it. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, that's the thing about loss it, it sort of spikes, those feelings around loss can spike at Christmas. Maybe that's why I, vo I avoid it now, because I don't want to go backwards to those feelings. I mean, a couple of years ago, we lost our best friend. Yeah. On Christmas Day. On Christmas Day. Day. On Christmas, Christmas morning. Day. And that was a shock, and it kind of marred the whole season, obviously. Um, not as much for us as her family, yeah, you know, obviously. obviously. Um, but, you know, that was a terrible time as well. It was really horrendous. And, um, you know, that's life. Things, shit happens and shit happens when you don't want it to happen. Um, and you do go through all these sort of feelings. Oh, God, why did it happen today? Why not why today? Not today? <laughs> it's just another day. It's just another day. Mm. You know, so... This is what happens in life, and we have to grab hold of it, no matter what it is. You've mm. got to. Mm. You've got to say, this has happened, it's shit, but we've got to get on with it. Yeah. And we had guests coming that day, didn't we? We did. For Christmas yeah. Day. Yeah. 
So we had to get on with our Christmas day. We had to make the meal and try and rise above um, that sinking feeling that um, at, at this awful occurrence. And we know. did because the, the person that we lost was full of laughter and uh, fun. Yeah. And after we'd told our guests what had happened and we'd had a, a drink or two um, in our friend's name, um, we got on with the rest of the day. Yeah, we did. I'm but feeling... even now... I'm feeling ever so slightly emotional about yeah, it now, yeah. um, just talking about it, because um, it was really, really horrendous. Um, well, she was also somebody we particularly loved. She was, yeah, she was a really close friend, and um, she was too young. Yeah. She left this world too young, and uh, she affected a lot of people's lives, so... And she was, she worked in care, she cared for older people. Yeah. Um, and this was a job that was fairly new to her. Um, she'd not been doing it very long and she'd gone through training to do it. And, you know, she was really enjoying it. Um, you know, so things were really going well for her. Um, but I wanted to sort of segue into, um, you know, situations that maybe aren't great for people at Christmas. You know, there are still people that have to care for people. Uh, that have to do jobs at Christmas in hospitals, nurses, doctors, mm -hmm. people that run hospitals, places like that, that still have to function. The police, the fire service, the ambulance service, you know, wherever you are in the world in a service that is critical to the, the running of society, you have to rock up for work. I mean, I've worked in places where you've had to work at Christmas. Where? I'm sure I worked on Christmas, was it? Maybe Boxing Day. I can't remember. I'm sure I've worked Boxing Day somewhere. I've, I've done dinners at the Old Government House Hotel in Guernsey on Christmas Eve and also New Year's Eve. Um, I've never worked Christmas Day. Um, but a lot of what I did for years, wasn't it, it was all around Christmas. It was... Christmas yeah. ice rinks, Christmas shows, working with Vanessa on various Christmas shows like Christmas Carol, having the Tower of London, Hampton Court Palace, Windsor, loads of ice rinks um, at those special places. And by the time it got to Christmas, I was just done, wasn't yeah, I? Yeah, you were. And the run up to Christmas was too frantic for me anyway. You know, I mean, I used to occasionally help you out with things like that. I'd you do did. A, do you... the door on an ice rink and stuff like that. But it was too frantic and too much. And But I think this... that's why we stopped going back to our families in a way, didn't we? Um, it got to a yeah. stage where, as Richard said before, we used to, I used to go back to, to mum and dad. He used to go up north to his family at Christmas. And that happened Christmas on Christmas on Christmas. We'd never be together. No. And then I'm not quite sure how long ago it was, but we just went, you know what, this, yeah, this needs to change. And then we'd have a run of really bad luck. Do you remember that Christmas where we packed the car full of presents, oh, yeah. got in the car, it was Boxing Day morning. Going up the A40. And we said, we'll go up north, see the family and spend a day there. We got 
about literally 20 minutes up the road on starting to get to the motorway on a road called the A40, the car conks out, literally, on the motorway. All the electrics go, power steering, all of that went. went. And I'm driving, and I had to literally crank the wheel over to bring the car over onto the hard shoulder to stop it. And it's like, I can't, I cannot believe this has happened. And it was trundling down, wasn't it? We were going fast. So you've got all these cars coming up behind Uh, you and you're slowing down and pulling over. Yeah, it was a nightmare. So we ended up not going there. Then that year that we went up to see my sister and go out for a meal, I got the flu. Yeah. During the meal, it came on. Yeah. And it was this horrendous flu, awful fever had to stay we were staying in a hotel was that a wilmslow it was at alderley alderley and um we had to go home the next day i said we've got to get in the car and just go i've got to go home because i feel horrendous that was bad and luck. we did we were in the car by nine nine yeah o'clock, we just got we? out we just got luckily you had that nice car at the time so the drive was comfortable yeah, yeah. i was in a fever all night it was just awful so we had a run of years that it was like, oh, for God's sake, really? You know, why can't it just go smoothly? And that's the thing about travelling at this time of year as well, either illness or bad weather. And stress. And stress. So it's too much stress. Actually, thinking about it, some of the best Christmases we've had together have been ones where we've been here on our own. Yeah. Where we've had a nice little meal, we've had a glass of champagne, we've relaxed in front of the TV and done very little. Those have been probably the best ones. I mean, don't get me wrong, we have had good ones where we've seen friends. We had a nice one that time we had people over that day. We did. We had an absolutely terrific one. It was a little bit stressful, but... Again, that was about 14 people. But, no, it wasn't 14 people. It wasn't 14 people. Well, it felt like it. But we, you know, we've had a few good ones. But oh, the we... carrots. The carrots burnt. Oh, the you carrots burnt the carrots. Yeah. We, we used to do carrots in orange juice. Really nice way to boil your carrots. Orange juice and marjoram. But you burnt them. Well, the you reason... had to put the ban outside, didn't you? The reason I burnt them is because one of our guests, who we're hopefully seeing um, shortly over the Christmas break... Um, decided that she would like to do something special with the Brussels sprouts. So while she was doing something with the Brussels sprouts and I was helping her, um, my mind went off the carrots and they burned. Yeah, and you had to put the pan outside. (laughs) But, you know, things like that happen. Shit happens when you're trying to cook a big meal. But actually, we kind of got to the stage where we just didn't want any more extra stress really because most of the year you go through periods of stress Mm. we just thought no you know what we're not gonna we're not gonna push our luck actually we're not gonna you know do it anymore so we have a quiet one and why not it's working for us that doesn't mean it'll always be that way and i'm quite sure there are plenty of people listening who are extremely envious of that (laughs) At this point in the proceedings. That's why we decided to provide this oasis of calm for you to reflect (laughs) on on all of those stressful things you've got to do tomorrow morning. Think of us floating around 
with a glass of champers, saying, oh, have you done the sprouts, Paul? Just enough for two. Yeah, just mm-hmm. enough for two and the carrots. And um, what are we doing tomorrow at 12 o'clock as well? So tomorrow at 12 o'clock, join us. We'll be on the sofa and we will be live on YouTube. That's YouTube forward slash C forward slash Richard and Paul. And we will be live for about an hour, midday till 1, 1 p.m. Right. Um, midday's 12 o'clock for those of you who don't know where midday is. Do people not know what midday is? Oh, God, somebody the other day. I said, it'll be midday. It was a meeting. They said, what time's that? No. I said, 12 o'clock, midday. And they said, what, not half 12? I said, uh, no, Why would 12 midday o'clock. be 12.30? I know, tell me about it. I'm not going to say who it was. No. Really? Um. So, yeah, that's that's really our sort of reflections on Christmas has gone by. Both good and bad. What do you think future Christmases will bring? Well, I would like to... I'll tell you what I would really like. Banging your glass on the table, Paul, with a big thump. Um, I'll tell you what I would really like. If we do move to a property in the countryside, and it's not going to be huge, I would like to have people to us for Christmas. Right. I don't know who those people would be. Right. But I'm hoping it might be my sisters. Right. Because the kids won't want to come, I wouldn't have thought. So I think it'd be nice to have my sisters over with their, with a friend or a partner. You know, it might be quite nice mm-hmm. at some point, just a small group of adults. Um, there are several other friends I'd like to spend Christmas with, with as well. Um, but yeah, quiet group of people. Oh, pardon me. Burping. I just burped. A quiet group of people um, enjoying some food and a few laughs, basically. And a Christmas tree. Maybe, maybe. For those of you who don't know, our plan is to move to somewhere in the countryside away from the city um, at some point. We've been thinking about this for about five years. Uh, if not longer. Longer than that then. Um, but, it, you know, things are what they are. And uh, we haven't found a property that we like enough to do that. So when that time comes, we'll obviously let you know there'll be a video. There will be. But that's it, I think, for this Christmas special podcast on Christmas Eve. So whatever you're doing, we hope you have a lovely time. Enjoy your day. Don't get too stressed. It doesn't matter if the potatoes aren't ready on time. No. What does matter is that you defrosted the turkey properly. Yes. And it's thoroughly cooked all the way through. If you're going to eat dead birds, that is. Um, So just make sure, you know, you cooked it. And if you're not going to eat dead birds, then obviously there's the nut roast that you can try for Christmas lunch. Um, But you'll need to get out quickly and buy the ingredients, I think, if you don't have them in the cupboard. Or just forget the whole thing. Yeah. Just say, I'm cancelling it. Piss off the lot of you. I'm spending it on my own. Have some hummus and pitta and olives instead. And spend the day watching Richard and Paul videos. Yes. Why not? Yeah. Join us. In fact, do watch the Christmas special from last year. Yeah, why not? Treat yourself. 
because tree it's sort cells. of the same Christmas as last year. Trees cells. Anyway. Are you going to have some chocolate now? No. Anyway, lovely listeners, um, <laughs> don't use the chocolate word, Paul. <laughs> or else I'll use another C word that you won't like. Uh-huh. What's that? I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say that word. Not yet. Not yet. I'll wait till they know us a little bit better. And then I'll drop a C-bomb. Um, so that's it. Have a very, very Merry Christmas, whatever you're doing, however you celebrate. If you're on your own, enjoy some television. Enjoy some podcasts. Entertain yourself. Go out for a good walk. Eat some chocolate. Do something fun. Phone a friend. Or send us a message or messenger. Yeah. You know, we'll be around. So we are available for contact through social media. So enjoy whatever you do and have a great new year as well. I don't know what the dates are now. Everything, like, as usual, everything blends into one at Christmas. You don't know what day it is. You don't know what time it is. You don't know what you've eaten, what you've got to eat next, which chocolate to choose. I remember what I've eaten and what I'm going to eat next. Or which chocolate to choose next. Yeah. So enjoy whatever you do. And thank you very much for tuning in and listening. And, um, yeah, we send you our warmest wishes. Bye for now. Have a good one.